let's spend perhaps two lab sessions simply on verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. So imitation is the big, the big idea here. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So in this session, we'll just focus on the sheer fact of the role of imitation in the Christian life. And then next time we'll ask, what does he have in mind that they should imitate? So, Father, as we ponder the sheer fact that the Apostle is calling us to look at himself, a, a fallen human being, and imitate him, not just look at Jesus, but at Paul, and to those who are like Paul, show us what this means for us and, and what implications it should have in our own efforts to be exemplary. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers, join in imitating me. So here's me. And keep your eyes on those who walk, for example, that you have in us. So there's me, and then there's those who imitate me. And then there's um, the Philippians that he's talking to, right? So at least three generations imitate me and there are people who walk according to the example that you have in me and Timothy. And then there's you. So you have these people and you have me. So there's me, there's those who imitate me, and there's you. And if we go back, to chapter 2, 5 to 8, one of the most central passages in the book is, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this is the mind you should look at when you look at Jesus and have that mind among yourselves. So let's put Jesus here. And elsewhere, Paul says that he imitates Jesus. Imitate me as I imitate the Lord, he says in 1 Corinthians so there are four generations here. There's Jesus, there's Paul, there's imitators of Paul, and there's people who look at those who are imitators of Paul, and, and surely the generational implications of that are to go on and on. In fact, we can see that in 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise you, Timothy, Despise your youth, but set the believers an example. 
so you become somebody, Timothy, that they can imitate. Or Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their faith and imitate their faith. So leaders, leaders, heads up. People are going to imitate you. Live up to it. Or 1 Peter 5, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to them. So all elders, all pastors are to live so that people will take them as examples. In other words, what we're seeing here does not end with these four generations. They keep going and going. Now, here's a key question. Doesn't it strike you as odd, struck me as odd, that he would start by telling the Philippians, imitate me. And then he would say, fix your eyes, on those who imitate me now, or who walk according to the example that you'd have in us. Now, if we know enough about Paul to conclude that there are people who are living like Paul, why do we need those people? You see what I'm saying? If, if he says, imitate me, and then with the knowledge that you have of how I live and think, you can determine that there are others who are walking according to the way I live and think. You don't need them. <laughs> like you have the original here and the original here. Why, why do you need these? Isn't that strange? That caused me to say, hmm, hmm. Now here's my suggestion. This surely implies that the reason we're looking at these folks is not for an authority because we know enough about the apostle that we can conclude that the only reason these people are walking the way they do or the only reason we know they're walking like Paul is that we know Paul. We know the original. We, we have a greater authority here than we do here. So the reason he's telling us to look at these folks is not to gain a greater uh, authority. Right? We don't need more authoritative people to imitate. So what's the point then of looking at more people who are living like Paul? And my answer is, not authority, but inspiration. It does inspire, doesn't it? Not only to say Paul could pull it off, Paul could live a certain way, Paul could suffer like he did, Paul could be self-denying like he did, Paul could love like he did. But then if you see other people also able to live like Paul, there's a powerful inspirational factor in it not an increase in authority, but an increase in inspiration. So my conclusion for um, why God would ordain that we not just say, I don't need anybody. I've got Jesus. I got four gospels showing me the life of Jesus. I don't need to look at Paul. I don't need to look at imitators of Paul. I don't need to look at Philippians. And I don't need to look at Piper or any pastor that I have. I have Jesus. That's just totally unbiblical. 
Oh, how many times we think we can be more wise than God. God has ordained that we look to Jesus, that we look to Paul, who imitates Jesus, and that we look to people throughout church history who had the spiritual anointing and power and fullness to live like Paul. And then he tells every single uh, pastor at least to set an example for the flock. And, and by implication, all of us more or less should be examples to others. So why? Why all this imitation when we have Jesus? All these fallible human beings to look at. And my conclusion goes something like this. Um, on the analogy of prayer, what is, why, is pra why does prayer exist? God doesn't need your prayers to know how to run the universe, right? Prayer is a mystery. And prayer is God granting humans. I get this from Blaise Pascal the dignity of causality. He is going to share under his providence and governance, he's going to share through prayer the causality of what happens in the world so that it really is true we have not because we ask not. There are things God does not do because we do not pray because God has granted to us the dignity of causality without in any way lessening his providence, his sovereignty, his governance of the world. Now here, on the analogy of that, I would say imitation is God granting humans the dignity of incarnation. Or if that sounds too risky, reflection, divine reflection. In other words, just as Jesus embodied the mindset of Philippians 2, 5 to 8, have this mind in you which is in Christ Jesus. And so it's supposed to be uh, among yourselves or in you, just like it was in Christ. So we could say that imitation, when that happens, we can look at a person and say they are like little incarnations. They're not divine. I don't mean in any way to imply that we become God. I mean that just as Jesus in his unique way, embodied the mindset of lowly service, we can become like Jesus and thus a kind of embodiment or reflection. And that is a huge dignity along with the dignity of causality that, that we should be able to say to people, look at my life and imitate me.